Welcome to Declaration Church Online. We are so glad that you've joined us this morning. Our prayer is that you are deeply encouraged through Pastor John's message and that God would move in your life in a powerful way. God is doing big and amazing things right now in and through our church, and we would so love for you to be a part of it. Before we join the service in progress, I want to share a few quick things with you. We would love for you to interact with us at facebook.com slash declarehim. And if you would like more information about all things Declaration Church, please visit us at declaration.org. Now, as we join the service, I would like to say, welcome home. As part of the movement initiative, our kids had their commitment Sunday last week, and it was really awesome. You didn't get to hear all of the, the video of them, but, but I love how God is already connecting in their hearts and in their minds the reality of what, I think that they see the big picture here. I think that they see the legacy in what's happening. Now, they may not know how to use that word yet, but they understand, you know, one day if we have a physical campus, then we can do a lot more ministry than we're able to do now, and it's going to have a big impact, Right. I mean, that's the whole reason why we do that, is bigger impact. Amen? And so, man, I love that. Welcome to Declaration on Commitment Sunday, week five of the Movement Initiative. If you do not have one of these books, please raise your hand. We want to get you one. Even if you forgot yours at home, that's okay. We want everybody to have one. It's got a lot of resources in there, so raise a hand up and we'll get some to you. Who's passing out books today? There we go. Do we have anybody? There's a few over here, I see. A few over there, a few over here. Maybe somebody help Elizabeth back there. All right. We're going to get these books to you, so just hold a hand up until we can get them to you. There's a lot of great stuff in there. You can take notes in there. There's also some reflection questions. Just because it's the last week, technically, of the sermon series doesn't mean that we're done with movement. Movement is a two-year discipleship journey, and so we're going to continue to be talking about it. Obviously, we want God's movement all the time, amen? So we're going to be talking about that a lot. So there's a lot of reflection questions. There's some daily readings, even for this week. There's a song list, suggested songs of just soaking music that you can worship to, and there's some prayers in there. So, so grab this. We want you to have that. We're going to be on page 34 today, and if we can, for just a moment, I know you asked me not to or told me not to, but I've got to honor Pastor Jeff and Gail here, Wells from our Sending Church, Woods Edge. Would y'all stand up, if you will? He asked me, actually, he said, please don't do that, but, but I have to honor you. I want to thank you because, um, man, Pastor Jeff, you have, through a lot of vision, you have sown so many seeds into this even right now. You saw this before no one did. God put this in your heart for this area, and thank you for um, entrusting to me and to us to carry that vision, to carry that torch. So I really appreciate your heart and your vision, your integrity, your leadership. Man, you love Jesus, and it is so evident. And I hope that I can be half the pastor that you are one day. And so thank you so much, Pastor Jeff. Would you all give him a hand? <clears throat> Okay, you got your books, um, page 34. In 2010, Katie Finneran wrote an article for Forbes magazine entitled, The Greatest Risks They Ever Took. Anybody risk takers in the house? Does anybody like to be? Okay, all right, a few of us. I know you. <laughs> all right, very good. So the article read this. Ronald Heifetz, professor at Harvard University's John F. Kennedy School of Government, likes to say that if you make one real decision in your life, that's more than most people. If you only make one real critical decision in your life, that's more than most. But taking a real risk, 
Well, that's, that's a rarity. And that's because making real decisions and taking real risks requires something that very few people ever truly have, and that is freedom. Absolute freedom. Freedom from the loyalties, freedom from the expectations, and freedom from the fears that inevitably muddy the waters of our risk and reward equations. See, people's choices to take a risk or to refrain from risk are overdetermined by their culture, noted Heifetz. For clarity and inspiration, a slew of gutsy entrepreneurs, celebrities, politicians, and athletes were asked about the greatest risks that they ever took. Some of them would risk their bank accounts. Some of them risk their fame. Some of them risk their very lives on these things that they would risk over. Take Tim Westergreen, for example. Does anybody know who this man is? Have you ever seen him in your entire life? Okay, you probably don't know who he is, do you? But have you ever heard of Pandora Radio? Everybody know Pandora? Well, Tim Westergreen is the founder of Pandora Radio. In 2001, Pandora was absolutely out of money. They had no options, and according to Tim, they had a choice. Either cut the losses and throw in the towel, or find a way and keep going. Risk even more, and that's exactly what they decided to do. They decided to risk it all. They kept the company alive, and they started deferring salaries. Over 50 people in that company deferred almost $1.5 million in salaries over two years, which is actually illegal in the state of California, but they did it anyway. When they were finally rescued by an investment firm in 2004, Tim had actually maxed out 11 credit cards with very large limits. The risk obviously paid off, however. Tim so believed in what they were doing with Pandora. He so believed in the future of how content would go. And he, so, he had such belief in the vision that they had launched that he was willing to risk it all. Today, Pandora Radio is worth over $4 billion. Now listen, plenty of risk, plenty of bets blow up, of course. I mean, by definition, risk is risky, right? It's risky. Successful people are those who do not become disheartened and they continue to try again and again and again, said Heifetz. Indeed, passionate determination can make any risk seem smaller. Of the 34 people that were interviewed for this article and for this study, all of them agreed that one thing constant, one constant anchored their calculations, and that was this. The biggest risk was not taking a risk at all. That's what they came to. Such was the story of Abraham in Genesis 12. I know that we spent a lot of time in Genesis 12 over the last year, year and a half, actually. Um, so much so that it's become so important. Everywhere I go, it seems like, every, every conference that I've sat in, other preachers, it's like, even Pastor Jeff, not long ago, Genesis 12. We should put a big banner up here with just that passage, those first three or four verses, actually, all the way through one half of verse four, so that we can see Abraham did what God told him to do, right? But we should just post those things. Look at Genesis 12, chapters one through, or verses 1 through 3. It says this, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. He says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So here we see Abram or Abraham and he had a choice to make. He could, he could play it safe and stay or he could risk it all and go. Now listen, going would come with promise of great blessing, but it would mean many unknowns. But staying would come with many knowns, but it would mean no promise of great blessing. One required faith, and one just resolved itself to live into the land of familiar. 
God is inviting Abraham into this new vision to risk it all. He's saying, will you leave it all behind, Abraham, for the promise of this blessing? Look at how it reads in the New American Standard Version. I like this. Verse 4. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and your relatives and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So listen, God is saying this. If you are willing to go forth from, he's saying, then I will take you too. And if you'll do this, if you'll step out in faith and obedience, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this. I mean, he keeps saying, I'm going to pour. I'm going to do this if you'll do that. See, I wonder how many of us have been Hearing God speak to us in this season. How many of us are really leaning in and listening? Commanding us to go, maybe. Step, he's saying, step into a new season. Step into a new vision. Step into new territory. He's inviting us to move with him into this, this new season of unknown. See, one thing I understand, and, and I think that we all need to understand very quickly as we look at verse 1 is this. If we aren't listening to God, we can't be led by God. We've got to listen to God. We can't step into that new vision if we're not being led by God, if we're not listening to God. We can't step into that new dream. We will not realize that new season that God has for us or that new territory if we aren't following where God is trying to lead us. So in order to go to, you're going to have to go from. Is everybody tracking with me this morning? All right, you're being a little quiet, so I need you to talk back a little bit, all right? Everybody feeling all right? Do I need you to make a shake a neighbor, wake them up a little bit? You had Chick-fil-A. Come on, somebody. I mean, that's gospel bird in the house on Sunday. I mean, that's a miracle right there. That's water into wine on a Sunday. I don't know what y'all are. All right. So in order to go to, you got to go from. And let me tell you what this means. This is a little word that a lot of us don't like. This is what this means. This means change. <laughs> Anybody like change? Let me ask you to everyone. Who does not like change in the house? All right. Now, this is not a trick question, but just buckle up, buttercup, all right? It means change. So in this movement season, you know, this, this not only applies to us corporately as a church. I want you to hear this. This also applies to us individually as well. Because here's the truth. Without you, there is no us. And God is moving in us and through us, but he's, he's doing it individually and he's doing it corporately. And I want you to know this. this the, the, the main point of all of this, it's really our heart that God is after, Always. God is pursuing our heart. That's what this whole movement initiative has been about. That's what beginning in January was about, is, is aligning our heart with the heart of God. It's our heart that he's after. So listen, if you aren't leaning in and listening to God and asking God like Moses asked God, if you remember from um, that sermon that we did from Exodus 33, the very first sermon, before all else, and he says, God, I don't want to take a step. I don't want to move in any direction unless I know that I'm walking with you, unless I know that you're leading me, unless I know that you are with me. So we've got to be listening to God. We've got to be leaning into God because if we're not, we cannot be led by God. Back to Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. Abraham, leave familiar, leave comfort, leave inheritance, leave it all behind, risk it and go. And I'll lead you. I'll show you. See, if we aren't following after God, we will not go forth with God. 
Don't miss it. We can't step out in faith with God if we aren't following after God. God is inviting and instructing Abraham to go, to leave. This indicates movement, which also indicates change. Change. See, God is always inviting us into another spiritual step. We say that often in declaration because I believe it. God is always speaking, inviting us to go deeper with him into a next spiritual step. What is the last spiritual step that you've made with God? Maybe he's inviting you even now into a next spiritual step, into deeper places, as deep calls to deep, into deeper waters with him. See, as followers of Jesus, I don't believe that we're to sit still unless God commands us to sit still, as we see in Psalm 46.10. But here's what I think. I believe that's more about a posture than it is an invitation. I know as as worship leaders, I I led worship for years and years. I used to love Psalm 46.10 as an invitation to worship. But the more I read the context, I feel like it's almost like my dad sitting in the choir loft in that Baptist church I was raised in. If he looked out and saw me doing something and you heard, that was him speaking in tongues for you better sit straight. You know what I'm saying? Come on. (laughs) I'm preaching, (laughs) y'all. And so sometimes God says, hey, you better be still in front of me. But the truth of the matter is, is God is on the move. And I believe as believers, as followers, we're not supposed to be sitting still because when we sit still, guess what happens? We become stagnant. But if we are followers of Jesus, this means that we are to actively follow. As he is moving, we are to be moving with him in faith with him. Again, like Moses. God, we don't want to move unless we know. God, show me your glory. God, yes, I know I could lead him into the land, but right now I just want to see your glory. God, yeah, I know that you're telling me I can can take possession of this promise, but God, right now I just want to see your glory. I don't want to move from this place unless I know you're with me. Listen, know you're leading us. See, in our society today, a lot of us are on the move. But let me question, are we moving with God? Man, we like to fill our calendar moment by moment. We like to fill that dude full. And we're moving. But are we really moving with God? Because, if we're, again, if we're not moving forward in faith, we're going to become stagnant. And you know what? Have you ever been around stagnant water? It stinks. <laughs> And we don't want that. See, faith is forward or movement. Even when you're not sure where. Even when you're not sure why. And can I say this? Faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is the activity of belief. It's not the absence of fear. It's the activity of belief. It's the God, I'm going to do this even though it freaks me out a little bit right now, if I'm being honest. But I'm going to step out with you. I'm going to move into this with you. See, God gives Abraham a promise. If he moves forward in faith and obedience, he says in verse 2, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you famous. And, and you're going to be a blessing to other people. See, our stepping forward in faith and moving with him, following him as he moves, this is what brings us into blessing. Not only blessing, but I believe it brings us into provision. It brings us into protection of our integrity. Look at the next verse. He says, I'm going to bless those who bless you, and I'm going to curse those who treat you with contempt. See, it brings provision and protection of our integrity, but it also brings the blessing. And all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Church, can I ask you a question today? What if God's purpose and blessing for you is really only for the sake of others? What if God put a dream in your heart? He put a dream in Pastor Jeff's heart for this area. He didn't know he wasn't going to He didn't know he wasn't going to be the one. Do you see it? 
What if the dream that God has placed in your heart is for the sake of others? What if, what if your blessing isn't about you at all, but it's about someone else? Would that be enough? Is it worth the sacrifice? Would it still be worth the risk if maybe you weren't the one to receive the tangible reward? But it was for those that followed. It was for the sake of others. See, we know in Abraham's story that it was enough for him. It, the risk was worth it because in verse 4 it says, So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. Abram, Abraham counted the costs. He was willing to leave it all. He was willing to risk it. He was willing to walk away from comfort, to forego convenience. The risk was worth it for him. Please listen this morning to this. Listen, church. God is, he's been speaking to me a lot lately. I mean a lot, like almost not leaving me alone about great risk. Taking big risk, trusting that he's a big God and he can handle it. And here's, here's what I think. Without great risk, there's probably not going to be great reward. Pastor Larry Stockstill is a spiritual giant that I wish that I had caught up to a lot earlier in life just so that I could really learn more from this man, even if from a distance. He had, he had a very faithful and fruitful ministry for years and responsible for mentoring so many countless young pastors and church planters. For decades, he has planted so many churches and supported so many countless missional efforts with passion. I mean, the passion for people and a passion for the glory of God. And, and I just saw not long ago, he was asked in front of about 3,000 pastors plus. And they said, hey, is there a regret that you have? Is there something that if you go back and you could do it differently, would you do, what would that be that you would do differently? And at first he said, you know what, I don't have any regrets. He goes, but you know what, hang on, actually, uh, yeah, I would change one thing. And this is what this man of faith said. He said, I would take bigger risks faster. I would take greater risks. Can I tell you something about risk and faith? I don't, I don't see faith as real. I mean, faith is really not risk taking. Faith is really moving in obedience. Faith happens following the call of God. I think what Pastor Larry was suggesting, what I'm suggesting this morning is, is that moving in faith should be a given. But daring to move in risk that is applying future faith for a, such a time as this moment. That's applying future faith, believing God for the harvest that you may not be able to see today. Is it, is it, will, is it worth the risk? It's radical obedience to trust in who God is and what God can do. Believing God to be the God that makes the impossible become possible. And trusting that when he prompts you, he will provide for you. If he, if he orders it, he'll pay for it. His will, his bill. He will take care of all things that he asks you to do in his time. I mean, look at Abram. God says to go in Genesis 12.1. Abram had a choice. He could have stayed where he was. He could have stayed right where he was. He could have stayed in the familiar of his family, in the convenience of his comfort. He could have remained with his relatives. But God said to go and go to the land that I will show you. He didn't say, hey, Abram, here's the latitude and longitude. Here's what it's going to look like when you get there. Here's the mile markers to look for. He said, no, no, go to the land. I'm going to show you. Trust me. Walk with me. You can't see it yet, but go. Risk it, Abraham. And if you do, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to bless you. The risk will be worth the reward. If you leave Abraham, it's going to start, watch this, it's going to start a chain reaction that will literally become a blessing to every generation that follows after you. What if God is inviting us into his movement? 
What if that could begin a chain reaction where generations of many families that follow us will be impacted by the greatness and the glory of God? What if? What if our obedience will lead to a blessing for so many other people? Please hear me say this to you today. You can stay where you are. You have permission to stay in the land of familiar, to sit in the seat of comfort. You can stay exactly where you are. You can choose to resist it rather than risk it. You can say, I'm satisfied right where I'm at, Pastor. But I would say, are you? Are you really? And then I would say, will you be satisfied in that a month from now, two months from now, six years from now? Is it worth it when you look at your kids and your community? Because, see, the truth today is you will never know unless you just go. You will never know unless you go. Unless we move forward in faith, even though we cannot see the land or promise, even when we can't see provision, we still go. Last week, what a powerful story to hear from Mike and Krista Rollins, an elder couple in our church, and just to hear the story of, of their struggle through infertility, how they continued to move forward in faith, just believing what God had said, believing what God had shown them, even when they couldn't see past their own pain sometimes, even in the face of, of famine, when it comes to infertility and saying, I just trust you. And then their little boy, Cason, if you were here, if you weren't here, check out that video online. You'll see the, the sermon from last week or, or listen to the audio podcast and how Cason, their little boy came to them and just put his hand without missing a beat, Mike says, puts his hand on Krista's shoulder and says, that's okay, mama. God's going to give you a baby. I believe that little guy prophesied a promise right to her heart, right in that moment. And can I tell you something this? Today is Commitment Sunday. It's the culmination of all things that we've been marching together with through, from since January 1st, really. And, and as we come to this Commitment Sunday, as we join God in his movement, I believe that our commitments before God today, that's exactly what we're doing together. We are prophesying the promise of God through our obedience. And it will have radical ramifications and indelible impact on future generations to come. That's what I believe. And through our faith and through our generosity, through our giving back to God sacrificially, cheerfully, that we are believing for future generations. We are sowing seeds today and preparing for future harvests. That's what we're doing. See, maybe in these last few weeks, have you prayed and, and you've heard the vision that's been cast? Maybe you've been thinking, man, this could change everything. Can I tell you something? Especially if you don't like change. I'm so sorry. You're right. It's going to change everything. <laughs> it's going to change everything. Because moving is changing. God is bringing clarity. He's bringing deeper definition to this church called Declaration. And he's wanting to bring some change. He's got huge plans for us corporately as a church. But even, listen, he's got huge plans for you individually. Something for your family. And unless you go, you'll never know. Because God is calling. I know change is hard. But if we aren't inviting change, then we're probably not moving with God. So we've got to be okay. We've got to be okay to embrace the change because embracing change is embracing his movement. Without movement, we'll never see the miracle. I want you to think about that sermon from this series where, where Peter and John encounter the, the lame, crippled man at the gate called Beautiful, Acts chapter 3, in the sermon from week 3 called Behind the Curtain. Remember they approached this, this crippled man at the gate? He had been there every day. He was crippled since birth, it said. And here they go, doing the thing that they, all, they do every day. The familiar, we're going to the temple for 3 o'clock prayers. Every day that man is sitting there at the gate, 
begging. He's been like that since birth. He's been there every day. This is the everyday active just activity of the day. But this day is going to be different. It's going to be completely different. Everything's about to change because when God begins to move, things begin to change. So they approach the gate. The beggar does what he does. He's used to doing it every day. He asks for money. And as Peter and John encounter this beggar, verse 4 says this. Look at it with me. Peter and John look at him intently. And Peter says, hey, look up at us. Look at us. And it goes on. The lame man looks at them eagerly. He's expecting some money. He wasn't looking for a miracle. He was just looking for manna for the moment. How many of us are satisfied with manna for the moment when we serve a God of miracles? And Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but what I do have I'll gladly give in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And this is important. Listen, three words. And it says, as he did... The man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood to his feet, began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized that he was the lame beggar that they had seen day after day after day, so often at the gate called Beautiful, they were absolutely amazed. They were astounded. See, this beggar would have never received his blessing. He would have never had his breakthrough without first looking up. Listen, church, we got to learn to start looking up. Now watch this. And he would have never had this miracle without first getting up. Some of us have got to get up. As he did, the healing came. It's going to take a step, an active step of faith. And this change right here, this change changed his entire life. It changed everything. We got to look up and we got to get up and we got to embrace change because embracing change is embracing God's movement. Anybody um, know Borden Milk? I know you're like, you're so random. What's wrong with you? Um, Borden milk, anybody? Um, I've told this story before, but it was so powerful and so relevant for this moment that I wanted to share it again. William Borden, in 1904, he graduated from Chicago High School. He was the heir to the Borden Dairy Estate, and in this, he was already a millionaire, already. For his high school graduation present, his parents gave him a trip around the entire globe, as a young man, he traveled through Asia, he traveled through the Middle East, through Europe, and he began to feel this, this growing burden for the world's hurting people. And finally, and throughout this trip, he, he, he just realizes, I, can't, I cannot go back to what was because I'm not who I was. And he writes a, a, a letter to home, to his parents, and he says, listen, I know your plans for me, but, but I think God has bigger plans. I'm going to give my life right now and begin to prepare for the mission field. At the same time, he wrote two words in the back of his Bible as he sent this letter to his parents. And those two words that he wrote in the back of his Bible were this, no reserves. See, William Borden realized that the risk would be worth it with no reserves. So indeed, he held nothing back. During his college years at Yale University, he became a pillar in the Christian community. One entry in his personal journal that defined the sort of his spiritual strength simply said, say no to self and say yes to Jesus every time. It doesn't matter the request, no to self, yes to Jesus every time. So during his very first semester at Yale University, Borden starts a small prayer group that would end up transforming campus life as they knew it. This little group gave birth to a movement that began to spread across the campus. And by the end of his first year at Yale, 150 freshmen were meeting weekly for Bible study and for prayer. Now listen, by the time Bill Borden, William, get it? He was a senior, a thousand of Yale's 1,300 students were meeting in these groups all over that campus. See, he strategized 
with fellow Christians because he had a passion. He was on a mission. He had a mandate. And that was that every student on campus would hear the gospel. And he was often seen ministering to the downtroddens in the streets of New Haven where he lived. But even with all of this, he had a passion for mission, for the glory of God, for something bigger than himself, for something that would outlive him, for something that would be bigger than his name. So he began to narrow his ministry, his missionary call to the Kanzu people of China, and he never wavered from this. Upon graduation from Yale, Borden wrote two more words in the back of his Bible. Under no reserves, he wrote this, no retreats, no retreats. Burn the ships. I'm not going back. I'm not going back to familiar. I'm not going back to comfortable. I'm not going back to the inheritance of the relatives. Borden understood that without risk, there was no, really no reward. So he would never waver, no retreats. In keeping with that commitment, he turns down several high-paying job offers, enrolling in seminary instead. After graduating from that, he immediately sets off to Egypt to learn Arabic because he has intention to work with Muslims in China. See, it was while he was in Egypt that he contracts spinal meningitis, and within one month of arriving there, 25 years old, William Borden dies. Prior to his death, he had written two more words in the back of his Bible. Underneath the two words, no reserves, you saw no retreats. And under that, these last two words, and they were no regrets. No regrets. See, to William Borden, the risk was worth it. The risk was reward enough, and in risking it at all, he had no regrets. He could have played it safe. He could, have, he could have stayed in the land of comfort. He could have remained. He could have stayed in the familiar life of his family. He could have remained with his rich relatives and lived a life of absolute luxury. But like Abraham, he heard a call of God. So God's glory became more important than his luxury. People's salvation became more important than his convenience. Purpose and making a difference became more important than comfort and inheritance. With no reserves and no retreats and no regrets, he decides, I'm going to risk it all. He never made it to China. But even still, he was obedient and willing. Willing to step out in absolute total faith. Holding nothing back for the glory of God. And through his obedience and faith, by stepping out to answer that call of God, he would sow so many seeds that led to such great harvest. Even though he never even made it to the destination he desired. I mean, he never saw with his eyes the land that he was longing to go to. And one may think this was all for nothing. But I want you to imagine this with me. Had William Borden not followed the call of God, imagine how many college students at Yale would have not heard the opportunity. They would not have had the opportunity to hear the gospel. Imagine how many generations of families that would have not been impacted because of William Borden's obedience and faith. What if the land which I will show you when God says this, what if that's more about destiny than destination? And what if it's more about other people's destinies than just destination? Is it worth the risk? And what about us today? See, sometimes we can't see the land that God will show us, but one thing we can see is that when we're willing to sow seeds 
in faith, it will reap a a future harvest. It's that principle, that biblical principle of sowing and reaping. So listen, we cannot afford to stand still. We cannot get stuck. We've got to move with God. If you're stuck in the boat this morning, it's time to step out of the boat. Because if your eyes are lifted, if you're looking up, if you're fixed upon him, when you move in faith, guess what? You just might walk on water. You just might. But it's going to require great risk to do it. Without great risk, you'll never see great reward. So are we willing to risk it all for the sake of others, for future generations, and most importantly, for the glory of God? A couple weeks ago, a number of us had felt like God had already spoken to us about what we were to sow into this vision, this movement vision financially, generously, through our giving back to God Maybe God put that on our hearts, and so we had this advanced commitment night. I want you to watch just a little bit of that evening, so check this video out. That's good stuff, somebody. We got some pretty people up in this church, y'all. <laughs> well, if you will, go to Hebrews 12.1 as we close this morning. I'm going to just point something out here. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Church, the reason we're here in this moment of faith and sacrifice is because of those that came before us. I want you to think about that. We had so many come before us in faith and sacrifice, and we're surrounded by a legacy. A great cloud of witnesses that came before us to commend to us, to pass down to us, to entrust to us. Just as Psalm 145.4 says, the verse that God used to name us, that one generation commends to the next and declares the mighty acts of God. And we are to pass this gospel message of hope and love and peace and joy and life eternal and life abundant to others. You know, speaking of... Um, sowing seeds, as I was talking about earlier, sowing seeds and harvest. Man, this last week, um, I had the privilege to be at the ARC National Conference. ARC is the Association of Related Churches. It's, it's um, the network that, that helped us kind of understand the nuts and bolts of planting church and, and executing how to, how to launch a church. And what a cool uh, week to be there and to meet with all these pastors. But one of the most profound things that happened Last week was um, they interviewed Pastor Joel Osteen from from Lakewood Church, and I know that Joel, for whatever reason, he's he's come under a lot of attack. A lot of people have opinions, been subject to a lot of friendly fire, which is really unfortunate because a lot of times that happens in a public forum on social media, which is horrible. But you know, I've never been more impressed with him than I was last week, as he just sat and answered questions and talked about church and life and. And one of the most profound things that he said, in fact, as he started talking, he couldn't even finish. He had to stop for a moment and just gather himself because he said something so profound that it got me. In fact, it wrecked me. And this is what he said. He said, I realize that I am living in the harvest of the seeds that my dad planted for 44 faithful years. I'm living in that harvest. You know, according to Hebrews 12, 1, we got to run this race together that God set before us. This is for us a for such a time as this moment. We're in it right now. 
And this moment has gravity. I want you to understand that. It's got a lot of gravity. Gravity for the advancement of the gospel and gravity for the legacy that we are to leave behind for future generations. And so I'm going to ask you, be bold and courageous today in your faith. Be bold and courageous. we got to strip off everything that's weighing us down, anything that's holding us back. No one can answer this question for you today but you. As you stand before God, are you coming before him today? Are you coming to his call totally unhindered today? Is anything holding you back? Is anything weighing you down? Keeping you from boldly in faith saying yes to God. As he calls you to go, whatever go looks like for you. I want you to remember that article. Ronald Heifetz, professor at Harvard. Making real decisions and taking real risks requires freedom. Freedom from loyalties, expectations, and fear. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Let's not play it safe. Let's risk it all. Because if we don't live with great risk, chances are we're going to end up living with great regret. So let's dream big and risk big because we've got a big God who's able. Pastor Willie George, someone I really respect from Church on the Move, he said this, Many people think blessings from God are risk-free. But all of God's children have faced great risk. Look at Abraham. Look at David. Look at Daniel. And that list goes on and on and on. Today, we have the privilege of joining in that cloud of witnesses and coming before God to commit to whatever it is that he has put in our hearts to commit in the area of generosity. We're sowing seeds, seeds of legacy, seeds of future harvest. Now, listen, we've been praying for 100% engagement from our church family. Because we know it's, it's our heart that he's after. If God has our heart, he has everything else. And so that's why we've been praying that. That's why we've been talking about that. So as we come to this moment, I'm going to ask you, will you say yes to God's movement? Or will we play it safe? Will you be willing to risk? No reservations, no retreats, no regrets. Now let me, let me say this. If you're visiting with us today, Man, what an exciting day for you to be here. Now, you might be sitting there going, what is happening right now? (laughs) Just hold with us. Because here's what I believe. I believe you're about to witness a miracle of the movement of God take place. So what a cool day for you to be here to see that. And I'm going to ask you, please, would you pray for this church? Would you pray for all of us? Um, Pray for all that God is saying and doing right now in the hearts of so many people, in the lives of so many people. I'm going to ask you to pray. And know this. Maybe God brought you here today desiring to move in your life as well. Maybe he's calling you to join this family called Declaration. Can I tell you something? We're not perfect, but we love each other, and we're chasing after Jesus together. And we love to be your family. I believe that we've got a mandate from God to live on mission for God, and today we're going to tangibly commit in faith and obedience that we're moving with God. And even if you're brand new here, I want to invite you to join this movement with us. Remember, it's a two-year journey. But I want want you to join with us. And if you feel led, sow a seed of faith. You're under no obligation. But more so, I really hope that you see this as an opportunity for spiritual depth and growth. We're joyfully sowing into legacy today. We're joyfully accelerating legacy. And we want to invite you to join this family. Church, just as God called Abraham to go to the land that he would reveal to step out of familiar into faith, Abraham was willing to risk it, so to be a blessing to all peoples. And today, like Abraham, 
I believe we come to the moment knowing as a church that God has called us to go, to step out in faith in a bold, courageous way for his glory alone and for the sake of others. For those who aren't here yet, so that we can be a blessing to others in Jesus' name and for his glory. Here's what I want to do. Would you grab that commitment card that was on your chair waiting for you when you walked in? And as I've said before, I'm going to say it again. Don't let this be scary. Let this be spiritual. This is a significant card for a significant moment, and here we are. Here's the moment. So I want you to pull this out, and I want to just kind of walk it through. I'm going to give you six things, all right? I want to explain six critical things for you to know. Number one, what we're doing here today matters deeply. It matters deeply. Why? The gospel is urgent. People matter. People need to know God. They need to find freedom. They need to discover their God-created purpose and then join in to make an eternal impact. That's what we're hardwired wanting to do. People need salvation and healing. Miracles need, miracles need to happen. Marriages need restoration. And as I said, the gospel is urgent. So this is us declaring his greatness, joining his movement. And generosity matters significantly and eternally. Number two. This commitment today reflects your total giving to declaration over the next two years. So, for example, maybe you're already bringing back to God. You're already giving back to God. Maybe you're giving this X amount over a two-year period. Include that into your number. You include your two-year regular giving. Maybe you have some expanded giving, some sacrificial giving that God has placed upon your heart. Maybe there's some stored resources that God is saying, hey, release it or redeem it. But let's give it back to God that is also part of your number. Number three, for some of you, this is the first time that you're ever committing to give to God through declaration. And I want you to know, man, I'm so excited for you. There's something I say often around here. We don't want giving from you. We want it for you. Here's why. Not only will your faith and obedience bless God, I believe that because of your faith and obedience, he will bless you. It's a biblical truth. And number four, for others of you this morning, you're choosing to give to God in a way that you've never given before. It's bold and it's courageous. Can I tell you something? Just personally, Kelly and I, we are joining you in that right there. We're stepping out in some of the largest steps of faith uh, you know, concerning generosity that we've ever made to God. And I believe that there's probably a lot of us that are in that camp here today. For some of us, can I say this? This might mean a five, six, or even seven-figure miracle gift that you can write right now. I'm going to boldly, but humbly, encourage you to do it. Step out in faith. Maybe that number is one that you never thought possible, but I want to challenge you to do it. This very well may be what God's movement looks like to you. It may seem scary. It may seem impossible, but I want to challenge you to do it. And remember, Kelly and I are with you in this. Number five. You do not have to fill out all the blanks. Take a big, deep breath. <laughs> but if you're like me, you got to fill those blanks in because your OCD cannot handle it, right? That's okay, too. You can do that. So I want to do this. I want to walk through what these are quickly. The top box, that first blank, this is what you would normally give in a year. The second box, this would be any expanded giving or generosity that you would feel led to give. The third box, this would be the total of those two top boxes right there. The fourth box, you multiply it times two because it's over two years. It's called One Fund, a two-year initiative. The fifth box, that's any stored resources that you may have. That could be things like land that you've sold, stock that you want to give, a one-time gift, um, any retirement or anything like that that you want a portion of savings that you want to give that God has told you to give. And then finally, the orange box. This is the one that we really want you to fill out for sure. This is the sum total. This would be the number that God has laid on your heart to give over two years. 
that's the most important box for you to fill out today. And the last thing I want you to know about this card, number six. It's my prayer that every single person in this room, as you look at that number, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, this number is what the movement of God looks like. There's so much behind this number. Restoration of marriage. Healing. Salvation of child. Baptism. I don't know what's behind your number. But that's the last thing I want you to know about this card. That's why I say it's significant. It's spiritual. It's not scary. Okay? So what's going to happen is this. The band's going to play for just a minute. And I just want to give you just a minute just to think and pray and write. If your spouse is with you, feel free to to converse with them. And I'll tell you this. Maybe you came to Advanced Commitment Night and God has already given you that number and you wrote it down and you gave it. But can I tell you since Advanced Commitment Night, God has already changed our number, our personal number twice. And that's okay. Maybe God's changing you too. Let's just pray and ask the Lord and be obedient to him in this moment, all right? So I'm going to give you a minute. Mr. Craig Groeschel once said, we don't come to simply sacrifice that which we love. We sacrifice for that which we love more, which is Jesus. So as you pray and discern, and as you fill those boxes in, Father, we just pray that you would move in us as you desire. And that all that would happen here in this moment is our faith and our obedience. That whatever is happening right now, it's it's coming from a place of, of joy. This is your church and your move. Thank you that we get to be a part of it. Hey, this is Pastor John. I want to thank you so much for being with us today for Declaration Church Online. I want to encourage you. We want to be your church family, and we'd love to connect with you. If you want to reach out to us, say hello. Uh, maybe send a prayer request or, or just share a testimony of how God is moving your life. You can do that through declaration.org slash connect. Also, man, God is doing some incredible things right now. If you'd love to join the movement and find out all of the vision that God is pouring out in this church right now, go to jointhemovement.org. You can give to Declaration to be a part of this mission through declaration.org or you can text the word declaration to 77296. Man, we hope to see you again either in person at the campus or online right here. God bless.